podcast we break things down to the very last compound my name is summit aka the potty mouth of the south and my name is chris mitchell aka the actual factual oh boy whoa this this i don't like you know when you know when i'm when i'm excited when i say i don't want to talk too much yeah i, I know i'm uh, i don't really want to talk too much today I'm, I'm slightly under under the weather i think i've got one of those um seasonal seasonal disorder things going on that's all right they call it a pathetic fallacy it's a literary term no I, I just call it i just call it mood bro it's, yeah, it's not yeah, that deep it's, it's not like, that deep it's, it's not when, that deep bro. it's when the seasons right it's when the seasons affect your mood like heathcliff on the moors you get me you get me you guys you get me it's one of them ones isn't it english and all that, right english and that. okay um, <laughs> um we are super super blessed to have someone that i admire and and love and respect and someone who warms my heart when they when they jump onto twitter we have andrew barber from chicago from Frakeshaw drive on the breaking out podcast it's nice to have someone who has a credible voice that they lend to us and excited to be on and, and we could spoke to him for a good hour just on yo that was just a conversation and i love those kind of those kind of the those are the kind of interviews i love so much because we just flow from from mixtapes to to the drill scene, to Chicago, to regional sounds, to to the moment, like it was, it was crazy, and, and I, I thank Andrew for that. Me too, me too. It was um, he's a nerd. He's one of us, and I mean, I mean, nerd in the nicest possible way as well. Yeah, it's not man, an insult. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. Nerds change the world, right? So when people say about nerds, we, they change the world, yeah. right? So Nipsey so Hussle was a nerd. N- Nipsey? Yeah, he built a computer. He's he's a nerd. No, nah, no, nah, he, he he definitely is. But no, this is. Something I'm really excited about. This is Andrew Barber, Breaking Atoms. Check it out. It's another special episode of the Breaking Atoms podcast. Today, we, we're going to use the word credible around here today. We're going to use that uh, like abundantly throughout the, this episode because we have someone that I thoroughly respect. Um, someone who... I saw kind of come up because I, I started blogging in 2008 and I believe 2007 Fake Shore Drive came up um, and I've seen this person grow from strength to strength and and become one of the, the key voices in, in hip-hop and, and also keeps us sane on hip-hop Twitter. We're talking about Andrew Barber. How are you doing? Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, man. I'm, I'm doing all right, man. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maintaining, navigating the, the, these crazy times, but, you know, I can't complain too much, man. You guys good? We 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 should we should yeah we 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 live. I'm, we I'm good. We spoke to uh we spoke to a fellow um Chicago native Z the other day. Um and he told us a really funny story about how you Alex from Ruby Hornet and him used to be like the the guys that went to the rap shows together. And he said uh he I said to him we we're going to be interviewing you and he said oh, yo ask Andrew about this time where he doesn't remember what show it was. But it was when you had first started um, Fake Shore Drive. And he was like, look, man, I can't wait to make this like a like my job. Like, I'm pumped. And he goes, look at him now. Look at him now. Look at how he's ascended. I don't know if you remember no, that. No, I did. But- man, I, you know, for the first, like, five years. So I've been doing it for 13 years full time. But like, basically, for the right. first five years, I, I worked a full time job. I didn't, I wasn't like making any money blogging or anything like that. So I, I, I like lived a double life. Like, I would get up 
put on my uh, dress clothes, go to work during the day and then go to rap shows and things at night. So I was like living a double life. And I was just trying to figure out any way that I could do, you know, do it, figure out a way to make it a full time gig because it, it you know it took me a long time took me a lot of years for sure no definitely and at the start of fake Show drive um how hard was it to to build your connections because i want to almost paint a picture for for the listeners because nowadays i could go on twitter or instagram and dm andrew barber back then wasn't the kind of thing we could do so how hard was it to build because i had the same thing i when i started blogging i didn't have no connections in rap music at all so how hard was it to it, both, even especially in the Midwest as it well? It was completely bootstrapping. I mean, it was the hardest thing because, you know, my dream, I, I always wanted to, my dream was to always work in the music business in one capacity or another. And I never had any like aspirations to be a rapper or artist or a DJ or a producer. I always like was more interested in the behind the scenes stuff, the executives, the A&Rs, the people who discovered, developed, broke talent. Like that's what I, I always wanted to do. And I just dreamed of like going to New York and maybe working at a label. And back then, you know, it was, you couldn't just find like, and I think you just made that point. Like you couldn't just find somebody online. There was no way to find somebody's email. Like even if you found an email address, nobody would, was going to respond to you back then. There's no social media. I mean, other than like MySpace or Facebook and you didn't know who you were talking to half the time. Facebook, you still had to be like in college at that time to use it. Um, I used to just fax my resume to every record label. Um, like literally every label never got a response. I mean, you can imagine now, now knowing what I know, like those things probably were faxed straight into a trash can. Um, <laughs> only real, <laughs> the only real lead I had is one time I ran into PD Pablo, like in 2000, yeah. this must've been 01. Was it? Yeah, this was 2001. I ran like right when, um, Raise Up was like popping. I ran into right. uh, PD Pablo and he gave, I asked him if he could help me get an internship at Jive and he had no fucking idea what an internship was. He was like, what's that? And I'm like, like a job, like I will go work there for free or do anything. I'll be a campus rep. And he was like, oh, he gave me somebody's phone number and uh, I got somebody on the phone, but they couldn't help me. So that, that was it. That was, you know, my, uh, my one and only interaction actually with the label um so it was really i just kind of had to start my own thing so i i didn't have any connections i was just a fan i'd been a lifelong fan of of hip-hop since i was seven eight years old um and i just had that knowledge and i kind of knew i always have approached what i've done from a fan perspective i think I, like as the probably the three of us have like you know we do this because we were fans we grew up and that's why we're like nerds about this shit we wanted to get in it by any means. So you kind of have to start your own path to get in there. And that's what I did. You know, I was going to every show that I could and I just printed up like a stack of 200 business cards. You could like get like 200 business cards for like $30 or $20 or something like that. And I would go to every show and pass out my cards to everybody, industry, anybody that was even adjacent to the industry, they, whether they were fashion or in radio or whatever, I would just, I was like, yo, I'm starting a blog. And people were like, what is a blog? You know, who is this white guy? Who is this nerd? Like, what is he talking about computers? Um, Cause you know, very, that in 07, people were still very much trying to get on through the old model. They were still trying to get their videos on BET or MTV. They were still selling hard copies of CDs out in front of shows. They were still trying to get their music played on the radio. And I was like, look, 
this is where it's at now. Online is where it's at. And it took a long time. It took some time, but there was, you know, it was a learning curve, but that's, that's really how it started. And how, how much resistance, I mean, you mentioned it kind of, you touched upon it there, the resistance you got. I remember I got a lot of resistance starting a blog, Hip Hop Chronicle from the UK. I got a lot of resistance. Why are you going to do that? No one cares, etc. From someone from the Midwest, because typically it was New York, LA, especially for rap, right? How much resistance did you get from, from where you are geographically? 100%. People were like, yo, you want me to give you my music for free to put up for free online? Are you nuts? Like, they thought I was like, high or something like they were like yo this doesn't make any sense you know thankfully i had some people that embrace me that kind of like co-signed me and and like then people would you know mess started messing with me and believing me like twister helped me out a lot no id uh the legendary trackster mickey halstead bump jay actually wow. bump jay and his brother shaky sean probably the yeah. first people to embrace me and they introduced me to like a lot of other people, the cool kids, of course, embraced me early on, but like, you know, some of those artists got it. They were people who understood and got it and saw where the future of music was going and the future of content and all that was going. They kind of were early adapters, but for the most part, people did not believe that this was going to be the future. They were just like, this is yeah, cool. crazy. I'm not giving out my music for free. I'm not putting it up online. Like I'm not putting yeah. a video on YouTube. Like that was seen as a fail at the time. Like people wanted their music wow. on MTV or BET. That was the win. The win wasn't YouTube. That was like seen as I can't put it anywhere else. True, true. You mentioned the cool kids. Man, they were ahead of their time. Damn, kids in the hall, cool kid. Like Chuck. Like I remember. Like they were so. They, as you mentioned, early adapters. They they were that. And I think a lot of the their style got taken later down the line. But damn, the cool kids were. With, they were the shit back then. Man, and that's really what they had real, what they were doing and their movement and the excitement around them is really what inspired me to do Fake Short Drive. Like if it wasn't for them, I may not have actually started it. And the movement that they were a part of and Kid Sister and Mano and Mike Terror and Hollywood Walt, Floster Domus, they were all part of this really cool scene. And I hadn't seen anything like it um, in hip hop, at least locally, where you know, these these stars would come into town and they'd have a show at the House of Blues and like, it might be half full. But like the cool kids would do something and there would be a line down the street. You know, they were playing bars and lounges and like little clubs. But anytime they would do something, there would be hundreds of people in line and it would be all different types of people, hipster kids and street kids and black, white, Latino guys, girls. It was just, a, it was a melting pot of everything together coming to see them and, and just have fun and party. Um, and, and they were really, you know, their, their whole thing was game changers. That's why I always give it up to them and like what they did. Cause they yeah. like ushered in like a new, a new sound. It was kind of like the Wicker Park scene in Chicago. Right. Right. And, and fast forward to 2012, that kind of became a 2012, 2013 became a kind of definitive years for, for you with Keith, Louie, Chance, like how big was that for you? Was that the time you started to make money from it? Yeah, I mean, a little before that, but it still wasn't like I, I you know, it, 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 it definitely blew up Chicago in a way that hadn't been done before that I hadn't seen. You know, I, I look at it in like, as far as Chicago and like, you have like the 96, 97 time period, which is like do or die, crucial conflict, uh, Twista, common a little bit, but do or die and like crucial conflict and Twista were like, 
going gold and you know they had a scene but that was like more like the west side scene and then fast forward to 2004 that was like the next boom and that was kanye's thing that was when kanye blew up and kind of resurrected the career of of common and and helped bring a new sound for twista and um then of course you had like bump j and Rhymefest and and different artists like that who were you know lupe came out around that time too that was like lupe's emergence was around that time and then there was like the cool kids a few years later but like the industry was like tanking then so it's like it wasn't like a lot of artists were getting signed and like, or they didn't care to get signed. Like the cool kids, like didn't, you know, they didn't necessarily want to go to a major. Uh, so then like the industry was like in a weird time and it was like all of a sudden the new era, like the kids that were embracing technology and weren't waiting, they, they all came in 2012. It was like, you know, those dudes weren't trying to play by the old industry rules at all. They came in and kicked the doors down. And that's when you had like, they, they didn't even care about MTV or BT or any of that stuff. They were on Facebook, they were on YouTube, they were on Twitter. That's how they were, they were kicking doors down. They were doing it themselves. You know, they, they embraced the blogs. They, they wanted to be on the blogs. They wanted to, to support that. Um, and and it, just, it just set the city on fire. Dope. Uh, Andrew, every time I think of Chicago hip hop, I do think of the moment. Yeah. What are some of their what are some of their contributions to Chicago hip hop? Because I feel they're overlooked. I want to hear it from someone like you, someone like you who was outside and was there. Like, how important are the moment in terms of Chicago's hip hop history? Hundred percent, and they, I I agree with you. I don't think they get their flowers or necessarily the respect that they deserve. I think that one of the things that has hurt a lot of the earlier artists, especially here, like even EC Illa, like he was super dope to me and one of my favorites from that era is like they just did not have the internet you know ec's videos would get ec had a, a bigger footprint maybe because he he actually i remember his videos would get played on bet like his shit would be on rap city like it may not have been a heavy rotation but you could still see his videos you know on tv on the box or whatever but um you know it it having not having technology not having the internet around like definitely hurt a lot of those people that weren't on major labels but the mole men definitely had respect they did a lot of really cool shows and people embraced them and i think people that know understand their contributions um but like you can't write the story of chicago hip-hop without mentioning them or giving them their flowers because you know those people kick they kick the door down in a lot of ways so you know shout out to them and and everybody from that from that uh time period in that scene um because a lot of times people were like you know super focused on you know the common family tree the no id kanye family tree and then there's like the do or die twist of stuff on the west side that was more of a you know street sound so like you know uh shout out to you for bringing up the moment uh, it makes my soul so happy um i've been talking to panic on ig mm-hmm. And um, I've been trying to work out in my brain. I'm like, okay, I need to get Moleman on, on Breaking Atom. So I've been making a playlist for Summit of the best Moleman songs. And I'm going to send it to him. And I'm going to say, here are some songs. Let's get them on, on the podcast. But it's just really interesting because um, I just, I've been looking online and it's like people talk about them, but they don't talk about yeah. them. Does that make sense? I don't want to be one of those nobody talks about type people. I just feel like- They were such, great, they, they were such a dope record label and scene, but like they, you know- it's not, they, unfortunately, they didn't have like a, where a Rockets had like a major push. You know, they had like big funding. So they were able to go mad. They were in New York and they, they were able to benefit from that. 
you know, unfortunately, like a lot of the stuff the moment did was super indie and, and it, it didn't get a huge national push, but like people that knew here knew, like, you know, you knew about uh, Vakil and you knew about um, Juice and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I would love to see you bring them on and, and give Panic and those guys, you know, their, shot, their, their flowers that they deserve. We'll try. We'll try. Let's talk about the drill scene, though. Um, when did you first realize that drill was going to blow up and be the next big sound? Part of it was when, what, what King Louie was doing. King Louie, because I was, I was friends with, um, well, Big Homie Doe. Big Homie Doe's now King Louie's manager, and he works with Chance, and he does a lot of stuff now. But Doe used to be a rapper, and... You know, he, he was like moving up on the scene as a, as a young MC with like, you know, the new era in like 08, 09. And they were always telling me about Louie. It was actually a guy that, that used to uh, write for write for Fake Shore Drive, Matt Lyman, who was Chance's first manager, um, was the one that was posting Louie early, like years before it blew up. And I was like, I remember one time I'm like, who the fuck is this dude that you keep posting Louie? He's like, dude, trust me, this dude's got it. And he was right. Um, and I think the first time that I really heard, they used to do the money dance, right? Um, if you watch the drill style video, Pac-Man, rest in peace, it's the dance that they're doing in that. And they used to just kind of do that and say drill. Um, and that's when I started noticing it. And then Louie dropped his uh, Chirac Drill Illinois mixtape. And that's when I started, you know, figuring out that, okay, this is like a scene. This is like a sound. This is like the new sound of Chicago. And they weren't necessarily even calling it drill. And, and drill wasn't even necessarily like a, just a negative word. It could have meant anything, but it didn't mean something like negative or what people, you know, you know, kind of thought it became. It was just a word to describe anything. Um, and that's when I first started noticing it was going to take off. But then like once Keith came, you know, came through the door, that's when it really like lit, lit it on fire. That was like the gas on the fire. Okay. All right. Thank you. Summit, over to you. Did you did you get the CDQ for is it Love Sosa? Was it you who, who yeah. put that out? I had it first. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, man. it's on there. Like if you go, I was actually in London when I posted that. I was at the airport in London uh when I posted that CDQ version. Andrew came to London and didn't check in with me, man. man. I'm upset. Next time I would that was my first and only time there. I was on my honeymoon. <laughs> I went to I went to Europe for my honeymoon. So I was like only the year. Nice. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. But I, and I, I hope to go back. I don't know when I'll be able to go back, but you know, now I know more people over there, so I'm definitely going to check you guys out. Nah, definitely. Um, is, is it surprising to you that the the drill scene has gone so far and wide? We have a a major drill scene here at the moment in the UK, and it's actually just it's taken over radio here actually a lot of the artists here are, are charting it's it's mad are you are you familiar with some of the scenes yeah. outside of chicago that kind of do drill and and uh, you know you know I, the drill thing is like always kind of a sensitive subject because like there was so much of a dark cloud around it and you know sometimes it's like i don't feel like people here celebrate it as much as maybe they do other places just because it has that negative connotation and like you know there was a lot of violence associated with that and a lot of uh, you know, bad things came with it, where it's celebrated more as just mu a music thing. Elsewhere, people kind of look at it, you know, more of a a gang thing uh, here. But it's I don't think my thing is when the late when drill popped, 
that's when everybody in the world started calling me. Every label, every A and R, every industry person. Hey, we want to we want to know about drill. Can you connect us to Keith? Can you connect us to Dirt? Can you connect us to Reese? Can you get us to Louis? Like my phone was just ringing nonstop. Everybody wanted a piece of that, um, and I feel like they kind of used. Keith, obviously, who was the biggest artist from that scene, I feel like they kind of used Finally Rich as like the litmus test for that to see if drill was going to work. And I don't think Keith or any of the drill guys, unfortunately, were able to benefit from like the new uh, metrics that, you know, are in the industry now. Streaming, we didn't have then. You know, Spotify was barely around just in its infancy at the time. Nobody had it. Everything was on Dapiff. Everything was on live mixtapes. SoundCloud a little bit. A lot of stuff was on Z-Share, Mega Upload or whatever. Like, so you couldn't really measure it other than YouTube. And still not everybody was on YouTube yet. Um, so their metrics were off. So when finally Rich came out and they gave, you know, keep this $6 million record deal or whatever, and it didn't blow up and go like platinum or whatever, because they weren't using the new metrics. They were still going on albums sold on iTunes or uh um, CD sold, which none of the people that listened to Chief Keep were doing that. They were not consuming music that way. Um, I think maybe the industry kind of saw it as a flop and moved away from it. And they were like, you know what, for the headache that this created and all the negativity and bad press that came with it, we don't even want to touch that anymore. It's not selling like that anyway. They were on to the next thing, right? They moved on to like all right, what else is in Chicago? And then that's when I moved on to Mensa and Chance and, you know, some of the other stuff, Mick Jenkins and Saba and Save Money and all the other stuff that blew up. But Drill never really went away. To me, it kind of almost went to the dark web a little bit. Like, the stuff was still popular. And, like, those the artists that were in the that, that next wave of Drill, not so much uh, Herb and Bibby because G Herbo and Bibby kind of, you know, they broke, they, they, they blew up and, and did their own thing. But, like, there was a lot of artists that were just going straight to YouTube that would get millions of plays on views, but nobody knew who they were really. They weren't like getting written about. So it's like that they went on the dark web until that shit emerged in the UK and mm. which yeah. breathed a new yeah. life into it. It did. I think we had um, Hedy One just went number one couple weeks ago with his album and you'd consider him grime but drill his the sound is very much drill is has he come up he went number one in the album charts here with a, with a actually a really good album how do you think that um, that has taken like taken over does it have anything so to do think, with chicago and like the culture here or is it more so they just like the sound i, th I think there's a there's a bit of both i think there's a kinship to the things that happen the 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 cultural things that kind of are Chicago and London have some cultural similarities in terms of how things come from the street and the way you're talking about how things grew um, Chicago for drill with Keith and Dirk and all those guys it was very similar here it was it wasn't on streaming service at first it was shunned it was it was painted as this thing of going no you guys are all about guns and knives we're going to put you over there and then slowly it bubbled up and then so people took notice at the at the fact that part radio stations youtube like we have things called grime daily and sbtv they're kind of online media companies that help propel these artists with putting their videos up and all of a sudden without any label help independence from these two massive platforms people are getting millions and millions of views and then people start taking notice and it kind of it kind of built in the same way and i think 
I think the sounds there, but there's also the the kind of content um, and and the, and the things they talk about is very similar to what you would have found at the early stages of of drill in mm. Chicago. And now we've got to a point where um, black music has become so ingrained in everything we do in in TV, on on talent shows, on advertising. It's just it's just kind of it's it's a perfect mixture of everything just growing at the same time. I think. I, I want to add to that as well. I think with a lot of the younger artists. In particular, there's a little bit more overlap in the sense that because of the internet, you can have collaborations from the US and you can have collaborations from the UK. So the sounds are going to be mutually influenced. So like Pop Smoke, for example, love Pop Smoke. His main producer, I think it's 808 Mellow, is a is a UK guy. So a lot of the younger artists over here are a lot more open and proactive in terms of sharing and collaborating and the influences are a lot more embraced back in the day you'd have some you know it was almost a bad thing once upon a time if you made hip-hop in the uk if you even had a whiff of americanism really? in your music but now it was oh it was frowned People upon probably pissed at like dizzy rascal for being on a ugk album or there was a bit of there was a bit of tension, like even with Drake coming over here now and you know doing the English accent and kind of aligning himself with certain artists. There are some people who be like, nah, we don't want to do that. But for the most part, people are like, no, this is this is good. Like it shines more light on our on our scene. And I think a lot of the younger artists and the younger audiences are more open to that. And I commend them for it. They're not they're not as close minded as some of the people who came before them. So I think that all that all bleeds in, into the into the music. And you know, like Scarface said, man, the world is a ghetto. It's the same in Chicago. It's the same over here. I'm not saying it's a ghetto, but you know, the sim the, there's more similarities than there are differences. Put great, it that way. great song, by the way. Great song. Dude. One of my favorites. That's why I referenced it. Come on now. <laughs> Respect. What are um? I got to ask you a question though. Uh, sound, regional sounds. Growing up. What I loved about hip hop music is that each coast region sounded different. With streaming and the internet, do you think that's still a thing? Can we still maintain regional sounds, or is it just look everyone just does what they do? Do we think? Do you guys think Chicago was like one of the last regional sounds? I mean, now you can say, um, I guess Brooklyn. I guess because because the London drill sounds different than Chicago. I mean, there's some similarities in the sound. Yeah, there's some similarities, but it's 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 more very like this distilled version of what DJL specifically was doing. Like it doesn't sound like Young Chop. It doesn't. It sounds more like DJL specifically um but like yeah i dude i miss regionalism like you used to be able to tell where any artist was from based on that like even the side of town like you could listen to rap and be like okay i know this is from the west side of chicago or i know this is from the south side of chicago um you know chicago definitely one of the one of the last markets to really do that atlanta of course and i think even what you guys are doing in, in london is 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 regional but i i've always missed that and i think we've lost that with streaming and you know we've lost that identity with streaming and just the way that you know social media and the internet moves now um and even if like i think you get like a lot of people that want to do the throwback regional stuff where people want to embrace you know it, what's old is new right so you're going to have people that are going to be remaking obviously we saw people and people will do this forever people are going to be biting you know, chopped and screwed forever. They're going to be doing that that type of stuff forever. And I think like, you know, eventually you're going to get people trying to bring back the sound of snap music. You're going to get people trying to bring that back, you know? So um, what's old is new, but I do miss regionalism. The, the internet definitely killed killed that. I, I miss G-Funk. 100%. 
I miss it. Like I, I, I like I mourn for it almost like it was a person that passed away. Like I miss I miss G Funk. But on the flip side of things, when I look at what Kendrick and TDE are doing, I'm kind of I'm kind of impressed that they they did away with typical West Coast sounds in some way and made it a lot more. It wasn't necessarily when you hear them, you don't necessarily think West Coast. You have to know earthy, to know more like an earthy and I, to it than like a yeah. Um, but then like when I heard them, um, when it's I, more Dungeon Family almost to me than like Warren G. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hundred percent. But I just hope one. I just you know when I heard MCA on Good Kid, Mad City, I'm like, oh, someone called Big Hutch, man. Like, let's just just give me one, give me one G Funk song, man, please. Big Hutch, I'm such an above the law fan. Like, I love the you know, I love above the law, and I've always like you know. I wish that they would get more credit than than they do because, you know, they kind of, depending on what you believe, they created G Funk, right? So, I don't. Have to... I believe yeah, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, I, th- yeah I, th- I would, I would, I would go with that assessment. Right. I would say. And I Me think too. that we've had like a little bit of that, like G Perico and like YG have kind of brought back. Uh, There's little elements of it, and and it's influences, right? So this is what they're influenced by. I also think like we can't necessarily always get what we had back then because we have to kind of move on and evolve a little bit but i think yeah they're, they're yg um a lot of the west coast artists it's in them it's ingrained in them it's part of their lineage so they're gonna have bits of it i'd love for more people to work with quick or battle cat um oh battle cat i'm trying to get yo i'm trying to listen i've been trying to hound battle cat quick i won't get i know i know who like, i know his people like quick i won't get but <laughs> i've been trying to hound battle cat to get him up on here because i love that guy i love that guy man like he needs his props he's suit. probably my favorite west coast producer of all time even more so than dre I mean, and, and I, mean, I don't mean to yeah. disrespect dre or quick because those i mean they're on another level but sure. like as far as like some of the stuff that battle cat has done like his music is just some of his beats speak like seven languages i don't even know how he does all that stuff and it's, it's crazy <laughs> Um, I, I have a I have a really random question because we you mentioned it. Um, what was your favorite file upload platform? Was it Hulkshare, Mediafire, Zshare? Like which one? Was I your think favorite? Zshare because they were the first one with a player, right? Am I right? Now Hulk yeah Hulkshare came after Zshare was the now Zshare was the Hulkshare, one. Zshare was, was the one. Mediafire was the Hulkshare too. No Hulkshare was good. But you could you could you could you could um you could fund the numbers with yeah you uh, could you, all you had to do was hit refresh people would do that <laughs> to try to manipulate the numbers so they could get a blog post they'd be like look my my thing got seventeen thousand right. plays in a day and you'd be like all right this doesn't seem real but then you fi- everybody figured out the trick and started manipulating no for sure no Hulk I think came after but Zisha was the original Mediafire was alright they had mega upload for the albums man I miss those days where you could just like because they had those um, Friday or Saturday or midweek drops you'd get the rapid album rapid share was good oh rapid rapid share was fire, that just, was fire. you could just back then you could just type in the name of an album dot R-A-R and you could find literally right. anything that you want zip Zip and raw, that was my things. That was my. I miss those days, man. You could just go onto those um, websites a week before the album's about to come out because they had to go to the DSPs or or to the labels to press up. You get everything a, a week in advance. You know, my favorite was those random shady blogs, and they they've all been wiped from the internet. That just had pages of old albums, like stuff that you always wanted to listen to but never had the money to buy when you were right. younger. Those were my favorite sites. Like you could check out albums. That you never would have yeah. owned otherwise before streaming. Like, of course, now you can hear everything, but what? you can hear everything. But yeah, but you're right because then I could, you could do your knowledge, right? So if you were if you were someone coming through, or you just wanted to go back to hear some G funk, you could just get that. Yeah, I love those mm-hmm. days, man. 
I do love those days. Chris, what you got for me? Um, I'm just I'm here reminiscing. I'm here reminiscing. Okay. I, I was a forums guy. Um, I was on the Justice League forums earlier. One of one of the greatest uh, Z share moments in the history of the internet for me is when Fonte leaked Get Back on his own forums. He w- he went on the forum. It was Fontigolo, and he wrote, um, "Here's the new album. It's leaked, but it's going to leak through me." Um, and in the metadata, he wrote, "Don't say I don't do anything for you, niggas." I remember that. I remember that. This, it was nuts. One of the greatest days on, on the internet. And, and I think people and, forget how crazy like a lot of the dialogue about Little Brother was on the internet around that time. Like they were such a hot topic. People were always writing about them and like everybody was watching what they were going to do with the minstrel show and like how that sold. Like they were like a big, like they, they got a lot of blog attention back then. Yeah, I was outside. I was outside for all of that. So on, on the Justice League, Little Brother was so influential when that last album came out. All the people who were on the old forums back in the early 2000s, they started a Facebook group. I got like a, an alert and everyone was in the Facebook group. It was like a family reunion. People said, oh, I had two kids. I started this business. They're like, oh, it's Kinect. Oh, how you doing? It was like a family. All we needed was a cookout. And and and, and that was wild, dude. They had like rabid, like they had like people really like were hoping that they were going to save hip hop. Like, you know, every few years there's a group that people think is going to come and save hip hop. But you know what the crazy thing is? I remember reading about the listening, maybe it was in the source or double X, like they would get like little blurbs, like very small, but like writers that you would trust would be like, look, you got to check them out. This is amazing. Blah, blah, blah. But I saw them open up for Cypress Hill. They were on tour with Cypress Hill summer of 2003. I was working at a radio station as an intern in Chicago and the radio station I was working for, like was in charge of that show. So I was like working it and little brother opened up and I was like, Oh my God, these dudes are, these dudes are amazing. Like they were funny and their music was great. And you know, everybody was talking about how big night the wonder was going to be. And now it just seems so random that they would have been on a tour with, with, with uh, Cypress Hill. And that's how I heard about it. But like, yeah, that, that was my first, um, exposure to them and then I went and downloaded the listening and you know became a huge fan but that's how I heard about them yeah I, I remember that source right up actually I remember the the sentence I'll never forget it they said the production on the listening was the most cohesive production since the blueprint and it came out two two years prior and I'm like okay I'm in sold Hold thank on. you and I've been I've been on that train ever since but um if we stick with um internet music what do you think, in all your infinite wisdom, what's it going to take for some of these classic mixtapes and releases to be re- officially released on DSPs? How, how can we save the music from the blog era? And it Because there's just so many projects out there. Like, even, like, somebody had tweeted me yesterday about the Domo Genesis and Alchemist project. And, like, I'm like, dude, I forgot about that. I forgot that even existed. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. Because, remember, Alchemist was doing so many one-offs with people back then. And, like, it was, like... Not that it was ever quiet for Alchemist, but it's like, you know, that stuff would be getting the most attention today if it came out like in 2020. But like back then there was so much stuff going on that it it was on the radar, but it wasn't like it is now. But um, I think a lot of the stuff where they're rapping over industry beats is just expensive to do. And unless you have a label, see, here's, the, here's what gets complicated if you're a major label artist or you were on a certain label um, at the time when you put out this free mixtape. So who owns the project, right? Like who, who owns it? Technically, does the label own it of when you were there? 
how do you put it out? How do you decide where it comes out? And then it gets tricky because labels are supposed to give you an advance. So a label is going to have to give you an advance to put out this free mixtape. Um, and then, you know, how do you do the paperwork? It just become, you know, you got to track down all these producers. A lot, most of that stuff has uncleared samples. So you have to have somebody, you have to have something that's going to like, you know, make actually get its money back and recoup uh, for them to even be interested in, for them to pat, you know, pay one of these artists, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that's probably what's happening with like a mastermind album, right? Like uh, Ross, like he was on Def Jam clearly at the time. So does Def Jam get the rights to that, or does um, Epic, where he is now? I think he's at Epic. Like does Epic get the rights to that because he's there now? Who's going to pay the advance? Who's going to pay the artist? Who's going to clear the features? Who's going to pay track down the producers? So that's how it becomes like super complicated, and that's just something of original material. Once you start getting into like dedications, like what Wayne was doing, you know, those are those are other beats from other artists. So basically, you'll be doing those for no publishing because you got to pay the other artists, you got to pay the producers. So I think it's just a headache. That's why a lot of people aren't doing it. So so basically, we're never gonna get faces on Spotify. That's done. We we might. You know, it just depends <laughs> on who's running it, and 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 just does the does the label or whoever see that it's worth the investment to do it. Yeah. No, I hear you. Already, I hear you. Labels are already under underpowered. Like, you know, they don't have as much manpower there as they need. Anyway, they're already overworked, understaffed, and you know, they got one one person working, you know, one project manager working twenty albums at once or twenty projects at once. It's like, you know, but I don't know. I I, I somebody needs to catalog this stuff because, man, if if that piff happens to just get the guy that owns that piff or person, girl, whoever owns it happens to just hit delete on it think of all the music that we lose it's gone yeah mix unit two long live mix unit two because they've got a lot of stuff but they haven't they don't have everything but they have a lot of stuff up there which you can then either download or buy as a cd or you could just there's so much stuff out there you just forget like you there's so many projects that came and went that you just you forgot came out right right what what your um let's talk about your favorite mixtapes from that era are we talking about like some from McBoogie or Tape Master Zinc or Gangster Grills? You put out the Babyface Killer mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. with Gibbs. What are your what are some of your favorite your go tos that you can? Um, you know the one that I that I probably wish was on there the most was Jeremiah Late Nights. If you've ever that mixtape oh. was so good, like that's a great yeah. Gangster Grills um, project. Of course, uh, Gucci Mane, Burprint 3D is one of my favorites. All the Wayne stuff. I think my favorite Wayne is like actually the Carter three sessions, the stuff that didn't make the the, the actual Carter, that Empire, okay. Empire, um, the mixtape crew leaked or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, yeah, right, right, right. I posted the cover to the Blow mixtape the other day, which was him and Jewels that Mick Boogie did. That was that was real dope. But there, I mean, there's so many. Cam did a bunch of he did a bunch with Vado like they were the so boss much. of all bosses and, and I didn't realize they did like oh. ten they did like ten installments yeah, of that they did, they did yeah. so much and, I, and you know, like you could see like you could see how things elevated with the blog era when they did those type of covers you know they're kind of like three dimensional they're not really there but they're like it's kind of almost those are like the new pen the... and pixels like kids will be doing right. <laughs> in five years or maybe even before that we're gonna see people throwing it back to that. And I was gonna—I I meant to do that so. the other day, um, but yeah, that—that's gonna be the next thing people are redoing. Nah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, 
Chris, I wanted to ask, what are some of the um? No, let me rewind. The other day, I saw you write a tweet, and you you were you were talking about Freddie Gibbs. We love Gibbs over here, and you said that Gibbs took the stairs in terms of you know the way he kind of grinded everything out. Um, and it made me think. Who are some of the artists you think didn't necessarily make that transition out of the blog era as successfully as they could have? <laughs> that, you know. That's a complicated question. It might get us in trouble. Who took the stairs and said, nope, not doing it. I'm, I'm heading back down. Or I'm going to get the escalator. Who's that? I don't want to shit on anybody, but there's a lot of artists that I feel like didn't get there. And, and sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes people sign back. 100%. Sometimes they're promises sometimes their management was bad and sometimes shit just doesn't work like just because we like it doesn't mean everybody else likes it i mean we are internet nerds tastemakers whatever you want to call us we're into that shit and like we the stuff that we like might be too cutting edge and we have too much taste for normal what normal people want to consume and you know i think a lot of times dude that that era was just so weird and so disconnected from like the blog stuff was like almost adjacent to like what the in, like the real industry was. And by the time they started paying attention, it was too late. Everybody had moved on. Um, but I remember um, Gibbs, I got on put on a Gibbs with mid, Midwest box frame Cadillac uh, music, which is still probably my favorite project from him. And I was like, yo, this is exactly what I've been waiting on. I'm like, I was mad that I hadn't heard of him sooner. I was like, dude, this guy, is incredible. This is everything I want. This is everything that I like about music and rap. Like, I love it. And like, I ended up meeting him just like a couple weeks later. Um, he had come to Chicago for something. I was working with a producer here and I wanted to get him and Mickey Halstead on a song together. And Gibbs was still very unknown at the time. So I don't remember if I reached out to Archie or Gibbs directly, but I ended up with him in the studio a couple weeks later. We were at the old Soundscape Studios um, in like the South Loop of Chicago. And me and Gibbs hit it off. And then like, he's like, you know, he was living in LA at the time, but he had been home. He was back in Gary doing something. And Gary's only like, you know, depending where you are in Chicago, a half an hour to an hour away from downtown Chicago. Like it's very close. Um, and he's like, yeah, well, da, 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 I'll be back for Christmas. So let's link up again when I come back for Christmas. So he came back for Christmas and I'll never forget it. It was a Bun B cool kids show at uh, this place called Reggie's. And I walk in, I'm like, yo, they, they hooked me up with like a VIP pass. I'm like, I need one more VIP pass. And they're like, for who? I'm like, yo, Freddie Gibbs. I'm like, I got Freddie Gibbs coming. And I remember people like, who? Everybody's like, who is that? We don't, who the fuck is Freddie Gibbs? I'm like, he's from Gary. They're like, oh, you're bringing somebody from Gary here? What the fuck? There's a million rappers in Chicago. I'm like, guys, trust me. So I get Gibbs, I eventually get him a wristband. You know, I get him upstairs to like the VIP area. And I'm introducing him to like, um, Bun B was back there, GLC, uh, Really Doe, you know, all like the good music adjacent people. And then I'm like, yo, Fred, I wanna, I wanna take you backstage to meet the cool kids because the cool kids were about to go on or maybe they had just gone off. I'm like, I wanna introduce you to Chuck and Mikey. And I remember walking them, like walking Gibbs through the crowd. Like now you couldn't even like walk him through the crowd, but I'm walking them through the crowd and they wouldn't let us in. They're like, Drew, you could come back here. You could come back to backstage, but we don't know this other dude. Freddie Gibbs, we don't know who the fuck that is. He can't come back here. So I'm like, I stayed with Gibbs. I didn't go back there. But like, I think one of the people was like Rich Gaines, who now like was part of the Blended Babies and I think works with Gibbs, came out and shook his hand and said hello. But 
People didn't even know who he was at the time. And I think six months later to whatever, a year later, then he was on that double XL cover. And everybody was on his dick after that. But like, he blew up. <laughs> he blows up big after that. And everybody was like his friend then. But, you know, I, I was there. I saw the humble beginnings for, for these artists. Yeah. We, we, we love Gibbs. I've got two, two memories about Gibbs. So I met Gibbs through Summit. Um, he was in London and we d- did an interview and I just remember him being so polite yeah. to everyone. And it's like, we were in the lift and someone goes, so who's the star here? And he just answered and he's like, um, we like, it's this guy. And he's like, so who are you? And he's like, you know, my, my name's Freddie Gibbs. So I'm, I'm, I'm an artist from Gary, Indiana. And he was so polite. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, this person has not heard the ghetto. They've not heard cold day in hell. They've not heard none of that, but he was so polite and charming. And one of the events that me and Summit bonded over before doing the podcast is that we were out shopping and we bought pinata. So he bought the vinyl and I bought the CD. And we have bonded over the Shitsville song. That's that's, that's us. That's you guys yeah, Shitsville's my shit. That's yeah. the Yeah, yeah no, listen, know, that, we love we love like we love Freddie Gibbs and just just his evolution. It's it's actually we're we're big on watching talented good people win. And I think he falls into that category for us. I mean, definitely. And like, you know, he just has that thing where he he's like, I'm gonna be a fucking rap star no matter what. Like win, lose, or draw, this is gonna work out for me. And I think a lot of times like you really got to love it to have that. Cause he dealt with a lot of personal and professional mishaps and ups and downs in his career. And not everybody could get back up from that. I mean, after the rape case, you know, that would have crushed a lot of people. It cleaned out his bank account and he had to basically start over after that. Now he's bigger than ever. And he's older. He's 10 years older now. You know what I mean? From when he started. And it's like, it's amazing to watch. Cause he just had that will. And if, you know, he, he, you get knocked down, you get right back up and come back harder every time. And like, I don't know how you can't root for that. You know, you got to root for that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Agreed. K- 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 Kane, Kane raps. Um, I've, he, um, so first you have to say shout out to Archie. Yeah. Shout out guy. to Arch. um, Archie is my guy. And him and Max from Ehu's Stiletti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Max. The, yeah. Ma- Max is my guy. He's over so with you I'm guys. He lives, he's from the UK, right? Right, right. So he, I think he's originally from okay. France, um, and now he he um, he manages uh, a guy called Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was hitting me about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So Max, Max, and Archie set the interview up. We were in a hotel room. I took Chris because I knew he loved. Uh, what era was what for context um, for me? What like what mix? This was he was still down this with Jeezy. Remember this he is, um he played some of the Jeezy stuff for you, Summit. Right. This is what I'm going to get to. So he was still down with um, CTE and Jeezy. And we did the interview and he was a gentleman and, and like mad, mad love to him. And, and I was, I was excited. And he said, look, I'm going to play some stuff. I said, all right. He goes, look, I'm going to play you something that no one's, no, no one's really heard this. And it's some crazy shit. And he just went for, he goes, wait for it and, and tell me what you think. And it was him and Jeezy and Jeezy was rapping double time. And I'd never heard Jeezy rap like that ever in my life. And I right. love Jeezy. And he's like, yeah, this, this is my new shit with Jeezy. And I was like, this never came out. I don't know where it is. And I can't, like, I don't know. I don't want to hit Archie or anyone else down or Lambo. You never heard like, it again. Like, you heard it once, never heard it. Never heard it again. This was Jeezy rapping double time. I also want to say that when Summit got the headphones that day, he did not pass them to me at all. <laughs> you didn't hear it. Come on. He's Come on. I, I have not, I've not heard it. I've not, this is all folklore. This is a no, myth no, to maybe, me. No, maybe no, it no, didn't, no, happen, no. didn't this, really this, happen. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Listen, listen. I tell no lies ever. Clout chaser, he, summit. No, I ain't clout chasing. He put 
he put the headphones in my ear. He said, watch, you're going to, you, you're, you're going to be surprised at this. And he just saw my face like open. I was like, yo. And I was like, I, I've been dying to hear that. But then that whole shit happened with, with, um, with Jeezy and it. And, and, you know, alas, that's, yeah, that's I mean, kind of gone. I, but, I was at the show um, in Chicago um, when he, when Jeezy announced, when they announced that he was signing to Jeezy and Jeezy came out. I was backstage chilling. And when Gibbs came, Gibbs came in, I mean, Jeezy came in 50 deep. And they kicked us out. They had us pinned up against the wall when Jeezy came in there, like he was the damn president. And they're like, everybody out. They kicked literally everybody out of that backstage. And um, it was actually a, a big crit show. Freddie was just opening. Oh, crit. Oh, we got to talk about crit now. Yeah, crit is um, it's, crit is my spirit animal. It is is crit. I'm just guessing here. I could be completely wrong. We talked a lot about Gibbs now. Is Crit your favorite outside of Chicago? Your favorite kind of, I guess, rapper from the blog era? Would it be Crit or would it be Gibbs? No, I wouldn't. I like Crit a lot, but he wasn't my favorite. I was a fan, but he was definitely not like right. you know my favorite. Um, but I definitely was a fan. Okay, yeah. Crit just um, Crit just put out Crit was here on on DSPs, but there's four oh, songs. Right. There's four songs missing, but it's remastered, so it sounds yeah. amazing. And I remember that was my biggest gripe with that. Like it, the the sound quality was so bad yeah. on it. Terrible, you um we because we can't go outside at the moment and concerts and you mentioned concerts. What are some of your memorable concerts that you went to during your kind of facial drive years? Any ones that stick out? Any memorable ones? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me to go back, like when I went to Up and Smoke tour. But uh, I mean, you could do that too, because yeah, I know I know you mentioned that. We could. Go, I won't go get into that, but like um, definitely that was an exciting night when Gibbs got his, you know, when he got signed to CTE. Um, I saw Kanye. Um, right before uh, graduation came out, like a month before graduation came out, his mom was there. His mom was still alive, and his mom—it was for a charity thing. It was at the House of Blues in Chicago, so it was very, very, very small show. Um, you know, like twelve hundred people, and he premiered like Good Life and Big Brother and all that stuff on graduation that we had never heard, nobody had ever heard, and it was like. I was so excited trying to explain to people these songs that I had just heard that the world didn't know about yet. Um, I saw the Jay-Z, I think it was, for, yeah, it was American Gangster, where he did like seven shows in one day or something like that. And he came to Chicago at like 3 a.m. He, he, like his last stop or one of his last stops was Chicago. And he didn't get here till like 2 or 3 a.m. And I had to work the next day. Um, and he brought out Kanye and he brought out, Freeway and Memphis Bleak and Beanie, and they were all on stage together. And I feel like that was like the last time that 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 Rockefeller crew was on stage together. Um, that was really cool, man. And um, you know, let's. There's just there's just so many. You've you've seen so many, right? You've seen so many. There must be some really. Uh, it's sometimes that I I sometimes forget. Like Chris telling me, Chris, I don't remember the elevator story with Gibbs now. You know, I, I, so I remember happened. Remember I'm the, I'm the actual factual bro Like there's stuff you've done That you've forgotten I remember I've forgotten I've forgotten like The, the things that stand out Some of the Kendrick stuff That happened with me Or or like seeing The Watch the Throne documentary Being edited In the Michael Jackson room Of the O2 what? Arena So so this yeah So this was Watch the Throne So like Right so I'm a stunt now I'm sorry about this Sorry guys I'm a stunt <laughs> right? It's all good It's all good Go ahead So, so my brother is Guru Guru is my brother Young, young Guru is my okay, not gangster my, Guru, young Guru. Yeah, that's no, no. I mean, Guru from Gangster showed me mad props when I when when I interviewed him. But Young Guru is my brother. 
we were in London and he, it was one of the shows. He wasn't really technically working, but he was down. He was like, do you want to go to the show? I said, all right, let's go. So he gets us triple A's. So we walk in, we see Mike Dean. Cool. We walk in and basically we walked into what was called the Michael Jackson room. So this was built, purpose built for Michael Jackson for his 50 shows is this is it. And we walk in this room and some guys were um, working on the, um, on a laptop and he's editing the Watch the Throne documentary that comes out later. But this Michael Jackson room is crazy because it's got like a crash in there. It's got like games consoles and we just chilling before the concert. You know, just mad people coming through that. that there's like things like that that I remember vividly. But then there'll be things like me meeting Jay Electronica with um, with the guy who runs Mass Appeal now. And I forgot his name. Um, like I don't and them like talking to me or like, I remember Amy Winehouse with Wale. Like there's certain things, that, but there's a lot of things I just don't remember anymore. My mind, my RAM in my brain yeah. can't compute. So sometimes I have to kind of talk about it. The reason I'm asking you is sometimes it can yeah, I mean, and you just saying that sparked a couple of memories. Like I, I was at backstage at Watch the Throne in, in Los Angeles when, you know, they were playing all the records from Cruel Summer and like the stuff that we had never heard before. Like they were premiering that and like the Kardashians were back there chilling with Kanye. And, and this one, somebody had brought me to talk to Kanye, but Kanye wasn't talking at the time. He, they were like, he's only nodding to people back here right now. He's not like talking. So don't try to engage him, say hello. And he'll nod and like, he'll nod in agreement or bow or hug. And like, he gave me like a, a big hug and like bowed his head at me and like shook his head, but he wasn't talking. So everybody, he was just sitting in a corner, like in like a big ass chair, like a fancy chair. And everybody was just like coming up to him and like bowing to him and like giving them, like giving his props. And he wasn't talking to anybody. Like he would just acknowledge you. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It's mad because, it's mad because anytime I've met Kanye maybe three times, he's never been nothing but cordial. Like he's been nothing like because everyone asks me, right? So you met Kanye, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was big headed. I was like, no, he was a gentleman. Like he was so cool. maybe it's where you meet him and the time. Exactly. I've been around him a, a number of times. It's always it's different. Yeah. You never know what you're gonna get. The last time I was with around him was with Valet, who I managed, but. Um, Right, I was going to ask about Valet. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was super cool. Like, he was really interested in, like, what our opinions were on the music. You know, he was playing us all, like, the and some stuff that never came out, like, before they did all those good music drops. Um, a couple of that's what, that's something, that, that good, those good music Fridays need to be turned into an album Absolutely. and released. And, like, that, that I don't know why. And I don't know why if, if Kanye just, I think if Kanye said, I want to do that, I don't think Def Jam would have any issue because that would, me, me that would make its money back instantly. And I think all the artists would be happy to sign off on it. Like, even if they're not getting paid, like, they'd be like, yeah, just give me my pub and give me my splits on that, and we're good. Because the world needs those. Yeah, and, and and you mentioned Valet. You, you was it on Twitter you put it out not long ago? You got a verse with Kanye, you ain't put out yeah, they got a They got a couple joints. Um, they got a couple joints that they did together um, that never came out. Valet was originally on I Love It. Um, Pump was on it still at the time, but it was more like a hook almost. But I have the original version um, with all three of them on there. And it was dope. And then they had some other stuff that was supposed to be on the Yandi project that was going to come out. Like, remember when they were on Saturday Night Live? Like, we had to, like, drop everything and, like, record these verses to get it done to him, like, a couple days before Saturday Night Live or the day of Saturday Night Live when he was dressed up, like, in the Perrier bottle or whatever. Um, to make that Yandi album, and then he didn't end up putting it out. <laughs> Chris, 
You know what? It's just uh, I've I've just had another flashback. Um, Valet, you told me about him summit. Yeah. Years ago, Guru mm-hmm. Guru was involved, right? I say, or Guru told you about him, then you told me about him. But I remember the name. It's all coming back to me now. Possibly. I'm having a that's or Raven moment when I have the, Poss- you know those flashback it, it, type things. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Andrew, how's the um, how's the blog documentary, the blog era documentary coming along? I don't, I'm not working on it. I, I want to do one. I mean, I think one needs to be done. I know it's the reels working yep. on like one. And I think it's, it's going to be more in like a podcast form. I believe that they're working on that right now. Um, I have been interviewed for it, but I think there needs to be one. Do you agree? I, I agree, man. And look, let me just hold put on, this. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop the phone. This is my gripe. Yeah. This is my gripe now. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm gunning. Yeah. When they did all those power lists of source and all that shit, Never, ever, ever did I look across the pond and go, this guy over here who got Kanye mad, like who broke who who, who broke the story that Shorty Low and T.I.B. for dead and then T.I. drops what, what what's up, what's happening the next day. Like, like come on, man. Like, they never, they, they forgot about Summit, right? They forgot about Summit. Mad at that shit. Sorry, I'm just... No, it's it's fine. I was going to say to um Andrew, <laughs> if you want to do a blog era documentary, it could always be a Breaking Atoms Andrew Barber production. Yeah, it could, right? Who's saying- yeah, listen, man. We should we should we could, do it, man. I'm I'm t- we could do it. Listen, I just listen. I just make, I want to make sure that some like I did some interviews, yo. I did some exclusive shit. I've got, I love that there's here. there's like nostalgia for it now. That people actually are like respecting yeah. that era because yeah, yeah. I feel like that era didn't really get a ton of respect when it was happening. I feel. It, it, I've got no. a confession to make though. I wasn't really a blog era dude. There's two two tapes I I downloaded from from the websites. Only two in the history of my life. Really? Um, yeah, I'm an I'm a music snob, so I was kind of like, man, I buy albums, man. I'm I'm an albums well, I know guy. A lot of people thought that shit was whack that was coming out of. Yeah, I I um I downloaded Crit was here. Great. Because Fonte Fonte said it was amazing, and I've been on that train ever since. And Marsha Ambrosius, yours truly, with all the Focus tracks that she did for Aftermath. Focus produced some. Buster Rams was on it. It was crazy. Wow, I forgot about that. She's bad. Yeah, those gems. Yeah, she is. Those gems. There were so many gems from that era, like that. Like Mm. just man, Mm. those were good times. It was like the Wild West. It was like a reset of the industry. uh, Yes, right. And you have that. you, you know, I think that. the streaming era is cool and it's good. And, you know, it, it, I, I don't think it has, I don't think it's as cool as the blog era. I mean, maybe in 13 years we'll look back, but I don't necessarily think a lot of these artists will be um, revered in 10 years. They're like, you know, these guys are, these guys are burning out in a couple of years and people are already like clowning them. So, I, you know, but I don't know. I mean, history, history always might tell a different story than, than what you think it's going to. Hmm. Agreed. I I also think that the 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 blog era it, there is a definitely nostalgia to it, especially because of how we've grown up now through with technology. I also think that Chris like b- the blogs weren't necessarily about kind of downloading projects or mute. It was just more about a shopping window. In the same way, mixtape shops would go in there and there'd be loads of CDs there, and this would be the front window. And it was it was um it was the streaming service like how like we went from vinyl to cassette to CD to the blog era to streaming it was like the precursor the kind of thing like the the mixtape album revolution that, that we've is seen. a great analogy like and the so mixtape lo- shop like the window that- 
Right, it, it was, it was, it was very much like, hey man, there's loads of things here, now what do you want to see? So when you went to Narite or went to Two Dope Boys or, or, or Fake Shore Drive or DJ Booth or Ruby Hornet or wherever the, 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 wherever you consumed your music, there'll be times where you'd get the same shit, but actually there'll be points where this is, you are cultivating an industry and, 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 and promoting artists, basically. Right, every, so every for site me, it wasn't a about personality. Right, and th- and that was the thing that you know every every comment section had a different personality. Yo, nah, right? I used to love reading the comments on nah, right? Not just for the first people would be organizing where they would be meeting each other in a few hours' time yeah. in the it comments. Like it was, it was, it was a way for people to communicate. It was a way for people to express, and so it was. It bloggers blogging, and I say that because I'm very passionate about that. It was very much about helping some of these people come through, and and it was a new way of surfacing content. Um, that we now think of streaming, right? So, you know how we have recommend. They were they, they were like the first, like they were the early Netflix recommendation services. Do you know what I'm saying? Like this was recommending people that you should listen to, and then labels got involved and they start sending you this and whatever. But for the blog people, it was very independent, and they were very much about no, no, no. That's cool. I'll put that over here. But there's some new kid coming out. You know, you remember Donis and like all these guys like Goins and Shasta. Some of those Milan artists, and, I never even on, clicked play on. Like I did never even heard a song from some of those artists. And I'm, there's there's artists right. that I was championing that nobody ever heard. But it was like you know you could kind of say okay I know that I'm not going to be into this, but this is this is something that I like. And it was that was that was a fun thing about it. And you had a list stars on the same page as as people who you know, we're recording it out of their bedroom. And like, so it was, you know, it was a level playing field in a lot of ways. And then people had personalities and writing styles were really good. I think that's an underrated thing. Like a lot of yes. really mm. interesting or funny, like Byron Crawford. Like I know he's super calm. Hilarious. But dude, one of the best, most prolific writers. I mean, the dude was mm. cranking out content. Yeah, no, for sure. No, that's that's a that's a good point. Now I'm gonna hit up Eric and Jeff and and and, sir, and harass them about this blog everything. Like, if they don't put me down, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go crazy. The last question I have, Andrew, for you: What was better, getting a CDQ or BlackBerry Messenger? I never had a BlackBerry, so I gotta go. Damn. Never, had, never had, never owned a BlackBerry. Never, I couldn't. I hated the way they operated. I was like, <laughs> No thanks. Yo, I, I, I spent like hours trying to think CDQ or like I just what do I do? And I just thought of the error and I C- thought like CDQ or sorry. no DJ or both. That's that, Oh yes, of course. How I meant to put no I meant to put no DJ on my tweet when I tweeted that the other day. And that was a that was a that was a in, very bad insight on my part, but like oversight. Oh okay. of course I know the same. How did I forget the no DJ? That was the one. This is this is why you're not gonna be in the documentary, bro. <laughs> nah, f- nah, fuck everyone. Nah, fuck everyone. I'm in that documentary, bro. No, listen, I contributed, cuz. I got listen. <laughs> I got my props from 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 the god from the blog father. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Well, I got when I met SK and he gave good, me his man. props. I was, I was like, getting ready to just say that. Pro- props to the blog father, SK, man. God bless him. Great guy. I love that guy. I love that that guy. I I, I listen. I'm gonna tell you a story. Last thing I tell stories, I get all I get all emotional and shit. I had probably a forty-five minute argument with SK about putting on UK rappers South by South at his own show, at his own showcase. You got the one at the at the the smoking section, not right one that was up. I was at that show. I talked to him at that show too. I was at that show. Right. So I took a picture of him and Elliot Wilson that I put up. I, I found I found it again. 
I put it up. Oh, I took a picture of them. You took that I picture? I took wow. that picture. Somebody took one of me and him. I gotta so, find it of me and, and me and SK. God damn. Right. I don't. I listen. I don't even have a picture with SK. I took a picture of them because I was like, I love you two. Now Elliot's been like Elliot. Elliot's the the big homie. Like Elliot's been, like he's been a he's been an inspiration to me from from afar but then also he's given me a lot of game Always. and he's given Shout me a lot out of to him man. But, legend but, real legend right, real, right, like, real right. actual legend not yeah no 100% he, he 100% and I, and I love him to dude. death Shout but SK eternally yeah yeah SK man so after that argument he was like nah you guys like you guys have the accent and all this and I was arguing and then I, I then I did my I did my weird thing which is like can I interview you now and I was this listen when I said I was this close he was drunk Right, he was this close to saying, "Yeah, I'll do it," and he said it, and then he was like, "Nah, I got a split," and he just does it. That was it. He's I love like this game, Oracle, man. I love man. Like, he'll pop up and like like my tweet sometimes, and that's how I know that, like, you know, mm. he's still around. Like, he's still, and I always yeah. big him up every yeah. every opportunity I get. So you know, all he, all he kept doing was clowning me because he kept looking at me and go, "You look like Nation. <laughs> you look like what? He looks like like uh, definitely Nah. Nation. Nation used to write for Nah, right?" Okay. All right. No, that one went over my head. I never met Nation in real life, but I, I, I uh, nah. I, I met SK a few times. Yeah, Nation. Nation's the reason why Toure, who's I think he's on CNN now, or whatever he has a show. He Nation's the reason why Toure followed me, because Nation put out like a, one of my interviews on our right and said this guy does dope interviews, and then Toure DM'd me, followed me and DM'd me and went. I heard you do dope interviews. Wow, that's crazy. Like, that's cool, man. Shout out to Nation's the, the good, impact. Nation's a super good dude too, man. I, I got nothing but love for him. Like, we we can go for the roll roll call Mecca. Like we were talk to Z. Like there's like lot lot of those guys, man. So shout out to every. I love the blog era. It was the it was the greatest time of my life. I look listen. Everything I learned in the blog era set me up for life. Right, it set me up to where I am now. Like I didn't know have any training on digital marketing or anything like that. Like everything I did in that era. It set me up to be in the upside down world that I live in now, right? The the crazy in the sticks, you know. It it got me where I, I am. So. Harle- I see I a know. Harlem World cassette behind you, which I gotta show you. I gotta show you love for that, baby. I got yes. Yeah, so Joe, got, is that a Fat Joe? Fat Joe cover? Yeah. Yep. Jealous ones envy. Who's the man? Soundtrack. Reasonable doubt with the with the HMV import. So back at, we had a thing called HMV. I don't know if you had it in the states. So back then we weren't allowed. Well, we weren't allowed. We had to get imports, so this is like nineties, yeah, midnight. We so always try to get imports because they always had like extra songs on them. Yeah, right. we had so we had we, the UK bonus tracks. UK always right. had the hot and shit like, you had to like, find. So I'm gonna show you this, right? This is this is all eyes on me, but this pressing is from India. This is India. It's because it was it India. was cheaper for him. Go ahead. Nah, yeah, yeah, it's cheaper than that. So this is so like this, a movie box. It's just like a box. right. This is <laughs> this is ninety rupees. Right, this is cost. This cost ninety rupees. Back oh. then, a pound was about seventy rupees. So I paid one pound twenty for all eyes on me without Did- having to pay the surcharge for the HMV import. Because back then, even the even the, so, you'd have like I remember. Uh, I remember going to HMV to get how do you want it, uh, and they had right. hit him up. Everybody bought it. Hit him up. CD. You couldn't hit him up. Right, anymore. right. But it was HMV import, so it, the price was slightly inflated. But you'd have it would come out every. I think it was every Fridays. This is the life we had to lead, right? So, I got what? Well, I got yeah. Who's I got loads of cassettes and shit, and I've got a tape deck now. So I bought it from the old house from my parents' crib. So I've got the tape deck now. It's the tape deck, three disc CD changer, and vinyl. 
And so I can just rock out and play what the hell I want. But yeah, man, like this is this is how we grew up, right? This is a lot of the a lot of the listeners or younger listeners won't understand the it's not the pains, but this was yeah, almost man. a journey. Like, you couldn't hear hit him up unless you could not hear hit him up unless you bought that bonus CD. That that's do you know what I'm you know what I'm gonna do one day? One day we're gonna do a, a podcast from my mum's house because I need to stunt with my collection. Come on, man. Come on, man. Do that now. Yeah. Do that now. I need to, I need Don't. to go into I need to go into the archives and pull out some 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 out of print joints. <laughs> you, yeah. See see he 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 hating Andrew. He hating. He don't like it. He don't like it. <laughs> He's got he a nice like collection. Oh oh no! Not the only guy could judge me. I'm listening to that Come on. yesterday because it was like the. I've only I've only got I've only got two CDs next to me right now because I I'm in a I I won't I've moved out Andrew I moved out a couple of years ago I had to leave all the CDs at my mom's house. The only thing I got to show you guys is this Razkaz institutionalized. Um, Prince Paul, politics of business, and and I've got two chains. This is a really good album. This one right here. All right, I got something. Go on, Andrew. What you got for me? Oh, what's that? Forget it. Forget about it. What's that? Masterpiece. That's a plaque, man. All bets are off. Okay, yeah. And Andrew won. Andrew won. It's over. Andrew won. Okay. Yeah, but Andrew's gonna listen. Andrew's gonna win. And listen, Andrew. What do you do? What do you do when someone has a plaque, bro? Like, no, 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 no. All for the joke aside, I right? It on the internet, but it's you know. You <laughs> <laughs> should have stunned it on us. Nah, you should have left it. You should have left it. Listen, let me tell you something, innit? Let me tell you something, Andrew. Listen, we love you. We respect you. I genuinely, someone from from a blog game, obviously not as successful as as yourself, but no, 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 no. Just see, hey, hey, I, I hey, like. No, no, we're all we're all great. Right, but I, I just want to say, like, I, I love to see people win. And it's a genuine thing for me because my whole thing is we progress together, right? So if I can't do something, someone else can, and we we further elevate the conversation, right? I, I go on about hip-hop Twitter because I feel that sometimes some of the conversation is, like, the lowest denom- like denominator of conversation. It's not oh, yeah, elevated they say, I mean, sometimes. they say the most basic LCD, lowest common denominator take about, like, rappers that everybody knows about it, and, like, 10,000 retweets. It's like, yo, I don't get it. But. Right, right, right. And and part of what we do here and what we're trying to do as fans is our job isn't to necessarily go down to that level, is but to elevate, to show what we can achieve, what we can do. It's the same with speechwriters, right? Speechwriters will write, write massive words and their things. Not not so that to, to confuse you, but they don't also don't want to dumb it down. You have to aspire to something. So we are super, super grateful for you to take your time to speak to us to give us your insights because we want to see good people win. I said this to Z the other day, like it's like I've known Z since what two thousand and eight. Wow. Like it's crazy. Like and that was the f- first time we actually really spoke like face to face. So being communications and whatnot. But like I like to see good people win because if you guys win, then the culture keeps going further and further. And that's genuine. Like that's for hand on heart. That's how I feel. And I feel very emotional about, very very passionate about it because this is something that we've been able to be part of right i'm um, for me to do anything in the blog era or anything like that to be in the positions i've been in i have to be grateful for that so for you to take it further and people like yourself and listen man like i, I meant what i said earlier I, it it helps me with my mood to see you chime in about some shit that matters on hip-hop and twitter it genuinely does it warms my heart and then, then to see other people interact it it, it it reminds me of the good old days so i appreciate that that, that, that means a lot coming from you man thank you I, I appreciate that much love seconded seconded from myself 
Right, we're gonna let you. We're gonna let you go now. We've kept you for far too long. We appreciate you. Feels like we've been on for ten minutes. I swear. Thank you. This has been great. So thank you guys. We'll, we'll have to do it again. I'll come on whenever, anytime. Thank you, man. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much, Andrew. Take care. God bless, man. Appreciate it, fellas. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Peace. I really enjoyed that, man. That made me reminisce so much about the blog era. Like, oof. no, it was it was a it was a it was a good it was a good conversation and. I love talking to knowledgeable people, man. Knowledgeable, down to earth people too. I've got to make that point. Yeah, because because you know you just got, you know I love I love speaking to people where I can learn something. Absolutely. And and any interview you want to learn something new, and I definitely learned a lot. And I think we'll definitely have him back on. Um, and I think you know his his evolution in in terms of what he's doing now is incredible. And uh, and we need we need people like him right now. It's very important. It's vitally important because they have a. You know, he's a nice guy. Like, even even back, I remember reading the blog. Like, he would never shit on anyone. That was his thing. Like, he would keep it. Like, he would always have something nice to say. And I think that's that goes um, with his personality. You know, he's always looking at the positive and, and like, and that that's a credit to him. A lot of people would shit. Think about what happens now when how people capitalized on, on Chicago, on the drill scene, on the violence. He was never about that. And we've got to love and respect that. So, salute to Andrew Barber. Um, that was a good episode. Can I can I just say something as well? I want to shout out all the people who have been sending DMs about how much about how much they're enjoying the show. I haven't got names today, but I just want to say thank you. And um, I was tempted to uh, share some screenshots on the t- on the timeline, but I decided against it because I didn't want to make a private moment public. So you know who you are. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. You didn't want to do the Kendrick thing, you know when uh, what's his face? Who won? Macklemore. Who was that guy? Yeah, you don't do nah, that. Nah, that was a thing. joke thing, man. I, I I remember reading that. Oh, you should have won the Grammy. Well, give him the Grammy then. Jeez, Chris, Chris ain't. Chris, we'll wrap this up. Chris ain't in a. Chris ain't in a good place right now. Look at him. He's just like peaking on the levels and everything. Jesus. Um, we're on every podcast platform. Remember, search breaking atoms. We've got more to come. We've got lost tapes on Saturday, and yet another interview next Tuesday. But until then, peace.